0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Greetings,
2: you are welcome to Food Alchemy at its Greatest. We have an open chat room, open lines. You can call 347-996-9558. Number again is 347-996-5895. Your hostess with the mostest of Food Alchemy at its Greatest is Chef Ceci food alchemist of the book It's Vegan and It Tastes Good Please stay tuned for the lovely information she has for you to lighten brighten take you on a journey with your mind with your soul with your whole body of a new awareness food alchemy at its greatest love frequency has been raised. Let's turn that dial up.
1: Now to our host, Chef Sefi. Hello,
2: hi, Ray here, okay, I want you to tell people about yourself if you will. Welcome everybody. <laughs> Just tell them a little bit about
3: you uh, well i'm sixty eight years old. Which part of my life do you want to share about
2: <laughs> about
3: the things that you do? you do now or what I did in the past?
2: all of it like the your spiritual
3: um oh my spiritual evolution.
2: Yeah.
3: All right. Well, I uh, at oh, seventeen no. I escaped the Southern Baptist culture, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, there's some good things about it, but uh, there were a lot of very limiting things about it. Um, and um, uh, gosh, then the hippie days came in uh, around 16, 1968, and uh, I remember um, heading off to California with a pack on my back, and I got to. Uh, San Francisco, and uh, I think I was there maybe six or eight nights, and every night I was doing something pretty much different with all the different uh, spiritual traditions, uh, the House of Love and Prayer, uh, Love and Karl uh, uh, uh Jewish, uh, cultural, open to the hippies, uh, um, uh, uh, the Nya Harengekyo Rengekyo Buddhists, uh, Zen Buddhists another night, um uh, oh, uh trying to remember the, uh stephen gaskin i think it was his name um uh, long haired professor turned hippie uh, uh guru and uh, uh, so i um uh, really had a chance to uh to to taste the the new uh, the evolving possibilities uh of east west in san francisco in uh, nineteen sixty eight Right in the, right in the middle well, so that so already peaked its hippiness, uh or, was, or the flower childness. And um um did my journey uh around Mexico and worked as a tree planter and a migrant fruit uh fr- fruit picker and uh and uh, eventually um and backed up in San Francisco to live in uh, nineteen seventy three and um well my sexuality Development or sexuality, um, my sexuality and my spirituality are very much integrated by the time I came to San Francisco. In terms of uh, where do I, um, where am I going? And we, you know, this is the sexual freedom days. Uh, um, uh, and uh, I, at uh, one point in time, I was uh, studying at Tibetan Buddhist uh, center, and I was also teaching and and studying at the Institute for the Advanced Study of Human Sexuality, a graduate school in human sexuality. And uh, I I felt really really drawn to to what I was calling a reintegration of spirituality and sexuality. Um, And although most of my teachers in the spiritual traditions uh, did not talk much about sexuality, um, uh, but still they were talking about energy, some of them were, and uh, was, as I was going deep more deeply into sexuality, um, uh, understanding of Western sexology and tantra, as it was just beginning to emerge in the early 70s in San Francisco, um, I mean the Western variety of this tantra. Uh,
2: <laughs> I like that.
3: Yeah, it's a, definitely a Western variety. Uh, but then again, at the same time, I was studying with a Tibetan Buddhist Lama who was Vajrayana Buddhism, or also known as Tantric Buddhism, and he only talked about sexuality once, uh, and um, but he was talking about energy. and And one day, I began to realize that uh, what Masters and Johnson, who were major researchers in the field of Western sexology, uh, had been uh, talking about with their sensate focus exercises, which is what they really sort of expanded uh, Western sex therapy by going f- solely from talk therapy to also including touch and somatic approaches to relating to our sexuality as a part of the therapeutic process. And that what they were teaching in, in Sensate Focus was what the Tibetan Lama was teaching in, in the meditation hall, uh, although it was not about sexuality per se, what the Lama was teaching, but he was talking about mindfulness, particularly mindfulness of the subtle sensations. And uh, and in many ways um, the sensate focus exercises of Mashes and Johnson were uh, mindfulness of the subtle sensations, uh, tactile sensations in particular. So one day I suddenly realized, oh, the what western sexology was teaching in these exercises was really uh buddhist mindfulness uh and uh, uh so it was part of my journey into um reintegrating the spiritual and into sexuality and uh I get to know a number of awesome people both men and women uh in a number of years there were being in San Francisco starting in 1973 uh and eventually I uh, published a book envisioned edited contributed to and published a book called Women of the Light the New Sacred Prostitute Uh, and I chose to include only women rather than men uh, uh, in that book because I thought it would convey the idea more clearly because I really wanted to talk about spirituality and sexuality and often when I would say uh, what I'm into I'm into reintegration spirituality and sexuality it was like the words would go in one ear and out the other ear of most people and I thought I needed to convey that differently. So, uh, what was happening in the seventies, in, the 70s, uh, in the early eighties, and eighties in San Francisco, were a lot of people into their deep into their spirituality, but also mm-hmm. cutting edge around sexuality. Um, and uh, um, so, I asked nine women uh, to write their personal stories about how they came to do what they do. Uh, and it was uh, they did hands-on sexuality uh, as well as talk sexuality with clients. Uh, and uh, every one of them was very much into their spirituality. Um, and I want to know, well, how do you integrate this? Why, uh, how is this okay. expressed for you? Um, and uh, so out came the book called Women of the Light, <laughs> uh, subtitled The New Sacred Prostitute.
0: Mm-hmm. and
3: um um i use the word sacred prostitute because that was the predominant term in the literature it's not the only mm-hmm. term but it was still the predominant term is, uh, in the uh, in the literature about ancient civilizations who embraced sexuality a- a- as part of their spiritual expression or religious expression and um uh, um and um so in the process of putting that book together um, and then putting it out there in the world, I really be, this is just as the internet was starting to come on, and so mm-hmm. what I was finding the number of people in their communities in their localities were be, were being very very discreet about what they were doing, say in a massage practice or, or seminar uh, about uh, the, the doing what they were doing, but they were including relating to sexuality uh, and, in, in a very conscious way. Always much more of a focus on transformation, than what I would call just fantasy fulfillment. And there's nothing wrong with fantasy fulfillment, but sexuality is incredibly powerful, and if we approach and relate to our sexuality, our sexual energy, our sexual expression in certain ways, uh, I have found it can be an uh, awesome, uh, meaningful, uh, and very valuable way of uh, of of growing. Uh, I'm growing spiritually. I'm growing as a whole being, as a whole person. And uh, so, uh, what I began to realize when that book came out, because it came out just as the internet was starting to pick up and people <laughs> were starting to um, relate to each other, uh, uh, and there, so that there were a number of people who were very quietly, discreetly in their community. Doing something around sexuality, becoming much more from a consciousness transformative, quote unquote spiritual point of view, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so uh, I just really realized I just like touched the tip of an iceberg, uh, um, and that a lot more people were really interested in spirituality and sexuality, though they may not be labeling it that. Right. Uh, but that was really. Um, um, That was something that was meaningful and interesting, uh, of interest to people, uh, particularly practitioners. And so eventually that evolved into uh, finding that I wanted to change the word sacred prostitute because Mm -hmm. I would say sacred prostitute, but not in the way you think of a prostitute. Uh, And and there's nothing wrong with someone being a sex worker prostitute. Uh, It's just that what I was finding that many of these practitioners were not. Necessarily, we're, we're approaching what they were doing uh, in a different way than, say, the typical sex worker, uh, okay. and they're making huge generalizations. Now, I'm not saying one is superior; I'm simply saying that one is the, the differences, in the, uh, and of course, there's wide variation in these quote two categories that I'm talking about. So, I felt like if I could find a better term, um, I would perhaps be able to convey more clearly what I was trying to say, okay. but what I was meaning and i sort of happened on this term sexual shaman and i began to feel that that was really in these ancient cultures where there were priestesses and priests uh high priestesses and high priestesses, doing um a ceremony around sexuality uh, often in what we would call now call fertility re- religions uh, they were doing ceremonies that were in sometimes involve sexuality in some way um, and uh, that really what they were able to do is what sh- they're basically were shamans that somehow are relating to sexuality conceptually energetically or perhaps even physically they're not necessarily physically but still there was a wide birth there wide range and so i started to use the word sexual shaman to convey that and so that And now my main website is entitled Uh, (laughs) SexualShaman.com. So, I don't know, does that sort of give you a sort of quick sum up or review?
2: (laughs) Yes, it does give you a quick sum up review. But I also wanted to get in what we were talking about, which um, I think is going to really fascinate a lot of people, because it was funny as you were talking, um, we had talked about the different uh, genders Mm -hmm. that we have. And, lo and behold, what was on National Geographic, but the same show that I had talked about, which was the different genders and the transgenders of uh, sexuality, or we wouldn't even put sexuality, but uh, human, or I don't know how to put it, but different species. And they, again, they only said five, and you said seven, so I was like, okay, now I'm even more intrigued. So I can't, like I said, you know I can't wait till this book comes out, but... For those that don't know, could you explain to them about, uh, you know, your working and your knowledge of the seven genders?
3: Okay. Okay, well, where this sort of all began, I'm going to give give a little bit of a uh, background here. Um, I started to... How far back do I go here? Uh, I've developed some abilities to read energies. I'm going to keep that really simple. simply read energies. Um, and uh, it's much more complex than that, but that's a simple way of saying it. And I started to come to an understanding that as a human being, we're much more than a physical organism that's very much a part of what we are, but it's only right. a part and course, in Eastern perspectives, we have chakras and kundalini, um, and I think that is only a part. Even though that's the, those are the two most common terms used. Uh, right. And so, in a sense, the way I think of us as a being, we're made up of ten bodies or ten energetic systems right. that literally merge with an organism uh, prior to birth. I mean, an organism is a set of cellular structures interacting with each other in, in certain patterns. Uh, and to have for that cellular structure, that organism to have life, something has to connect with it. Um, and what I call, what I, what I, the word I use is a being. You could say soul or whatever. But the being literally merges. Uh, and in a real technical sense, for me, merge means to replicate a frequency and intensity pattern. So this energetic being merges with this cellular structure by in the same energetic pattern. Uh and so when the birth takes place then there is a uh, a little human uh which can survive on its own with of course a lot of assistance from adults food, right. water, etc. But so I had come to this understanding that we're made up of 10 structures, 10 uh the being is made up of 10 different structures or systems. I call them 10 bodies for lack of a better term. And um that Then to jump to the other part here, uh, I I started to teach five years ago a course that I call Path of the Sexual Shaman, and uh, a friend of a friend called up saying that uh, he wanted to join the course, and he'd been studying with a shaman up in in Canada, Uh, and uh, for some reason he wanted to take this Path of the Sexual Shaman course that I was teaching anyone he went to explain that he was a transgender person, so I should say she, although she says uh, she is fine to being called he or she. But definitely, this is a transgender person who's been through surgery, born with a male anatomy of, the, of genitals uh, called a penis, and has mm-hmm. now gone through hormonal and some uh, somatic reconstructive surgery. And uh, uh, and I thought, oh. I wonder, you know, if I'm looking, if I'm reading someone's energies, would I be able to read something indicative of such a person as being transgendered? Okay. And using this particular person as a, my initial starting point, and then later on looking, uh, observing other people and tuning in their energies, um, other people who identify themselves as transgender, I started to, to get a sense that what, people are really calling gender. One, it's not sexual orientation. That's a whole other variable. And two, that gender does not necessarily coincide with the physical anatomy of the organism between the legs. Uh, So we have a penis or yoni or vagina, whatever terminology you prefer to use. uh, That may indeed be a... An anatomical distinction that is indeed important Uh, but that what when we talk gender that really is a different structure uh, involved rather than our physical anatomy so we can have a i would use the word a person's sex it's male or female penis or vagina and we do have intersex people uh, but still basically just for some for just we keep it simple for discussion for tonight, uh, which is not the fairest thing to do. But we, try to, we don't have 10 hours to talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll keep it as simple. Basically, male, female, genitalia, right. and that I would call it sex. But the gender is more about sort of a uh, personality, spiritual uh, uh, sense of how they experience and express the world. Uh, uh, express into the world. And so, if I start reading a, a person's energy, I said, oh, his, I'm talking about his in terms of his anatomy, okay. his physical body is male. Right. But his, what I call the soul body, Right. I don't want to take time to describe it right now, but the soul body is what Occurs often in people with vaginas. Okay. The soul body of, of people we often refer to as women. Uh, and so it's almost like the soul of this person was fe- well, people generally call it female. I would use a different word, but I'm going to keep it simple. More okay. Like female. Uh, but the anatomy, anatomical anatomy, was male and uh, what we can have today is uh surgical and hormonal uh possible ways of changing things some hundred years ago people did not so the, the, I don't know what decision making process was there but um that that the, that a person is born this way uh, mm-hmm. and uh and uh, in, 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 and so what i tried to do was start to look at the some energetic patterns of different people's soul bodies, okay, and especially in relationship to some sort of concept of gender, and what I began to find were seven different patterns, okay. And I don't really know quite how to, I don't have real clarity on how to, or enough clarity from my point of view of looking at it from a technical point of view. So I look at it more of a personality point of view type thing, and so this is also very relevant for me because. I grew up male, basically heterosexual mm-hmm. uh, in the South as a Southern Baptist. Uh, mm-hmm. I was into the arts, particularly music. Um, I was not a, a jock. I was I was not a nerd, although I liked <laughs> knowledge. I mean, they didn't have the word nerd at that point. Uh, right. <laughs> and, and nerd to me, and nerd is not a negative word, please. Nerd is not word negative. It's just sort of general lifestyle focus. Right. Um, and uh, I... Uh, yeah, you know, I never felt like you know I didn't like just like being with the guys all the time. Uh, I mean, I really like girls. I I'd rather, I'd rather be with girls, <laughs> <laughs>
0: not,
3: not to dress up like a girl or put makeup on, but date them, <laughs> touch them, kiss them. Uh, okay. And I've and I've had sex and kissed men too, but it's just uh, I tell you, the, the, in San Francisco in the seventies, the best parties were. What was called the the bi-center, bisexual center parties, where male and female people would come, and we would dance with everybody. Uh, it was just it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I noticed I loved to dance with men and women, but I always if I went home with someone, it was female. It Just happened to be that. I mean, pretty much basically that. So that was the best party you could dance with anybody, and you know what not half the group, but the whole group you had fun with. And it's just the freest, uh, openest, just enjoying each other type parties uh, that I've ever really been to. Uh, so that's a little aside there. But still, basically, my lusty attraction has been with female bodies. Um, and um, uh, I may, I will add Rubenesque type especially. But that's okay. just my personal preference. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and uh, and that can change over time, and suddenly someone doesn't fit that category. They, well, who cares? <laughs> you know, uh, it's it, it's happening. It's it's, it's in, it feels good. It, uh, we have a nice connection. So, so who cares if you're quote unquote my type, whatever that might be? Right. Uh, I never really had a type. But going back to this, the uh, um, I didn't really fit into a uh, lot of that concept of what male is. Uh, and and it's also not what most people think as female or feminine, and mm-hmm. so I never felt like I was a part of that. And so as I began to understand this reading of this soul body, these seven different patterns, I've come up with seven patterns which I I can sort of describe, but the seventh one I just don't know how to describe well yet. So anyway, mm-hmm. there's this book out there that's absolutely terrible, terrible piece of tucker called. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I don't know what I can say on this show. Yeah, you can I, I, say I, well,
2: anything that you want. <laughs> it's a piece of
3: shit. It's a downright piece of shit. What men? Uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I said, where did this guy come from? Man, what an idiot! So I said, it's the stupidest one. Of the stupidest. I could I couldn't get past the first several pages because what he was writing. But anyway, so. But a lot of people say, oh, what do men want? What do women want? I uh, mean, a little sub note here. It's like the old, uh, 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 in computers, uh, in computer program writing, garbage in, garbage out. If you ask a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. So if you ask the question, what do men, women want, don't expect to be a very good lover, uh, or what do men want, because there's too much variation from person to person, from moment to moment, from day to day. So... What does what, what a man want? Well, whatever he wants at that moment. And that may be different depending on what you're doing.
0: Right.
3: Uh, so anyway, a little, little bit of attitude there. So, but I decided to call, okay, this is the typical male and typical female. I'm going to call them Mars men and Venus women. <laughs> and so I just sort of, just taking out this, checking out this, uh, checking out this, um, uh, this perspective I had. And so, Nice thing about Google, I go and Google Photos and find uh, all the uh, major league, uh, I mean the National Quarterbacks in the football, American football, and everyone I looked at, well, yep, they're a Mars men. Mars man, Mars man, Mars men, Mars men, Mars men. <laughs> So okay, let's look at the Dallas Cowgirls. You can't get any more uh, model of uh, of woman womanness in, in the, within the <laughs> sports field than the Dallas Cowgirls. Sure enough, ten of the twelve women on that squad. Just looking at their pictures now, Uh, and uh, there weren't many naked. I don't think any naked pictures, (laughs) but but, you know, on their website, you know, the uh, the uh, it. um, uh, Ten of the twelve women were what I call Venus women. Just in reading the energies, I can read people's energies generally from looking at their uh, their photo. Video is a little bit better, but photo works generally, Uh, and so. I said that's interesting, and then I uh, 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 there's a documentary out called Trans it just came out. It's about transsexual people, adults, children, what they going through in life, to because they're born in a certain anatomy and they do not feel like that. Uh, right. And uh, I was reading a lot of energies of the people there, and at least for the first half of the video. That documentary, every person identified as a trans or a tranny, to use the local lingo, I mean, the vernacular within the subculture, Uh, every one of them was trans male and trans female. So, uh, again, they had a certain physical anatomy, but their soul body functioning was more like what we would associate with female or more like male. And and it was different than what we would usually match up with the genitalia. So one is Mars men, two is Venus women, three is trans men, and four is trans uh, female, trans male, trans female. Um, And then there's another category, two more categories. Uh, And I use the word androgynous because their soul body... It's sort of like 50-50. I mean, I don't remember exactly these percentages, but uh, a Mars male and a Venus female, uh, Mars men were like 80% maleness, uh, and a Mar- Venus women were about 80% femaleness, Where and, and trans was a little bit it was different than that. I don't remember what it was right now, but, but when it came to a- the androgynous category, <clears throat> it was 50-50. Approximately 50-50. So that's why I chose the word androgynous. One second, I have to cough here. Go for it. We okay, i <laughs> but, Pardon? I said, we don't mind that you okay, cough. Okay, well, but I don't want to cough in my headset here. Um, and uh, I... Uh, uh, and um, when I began... I was watching a television show and kept noticing... It was a television show about uh, dancers. Um, and there were some good looking women and some good looking men, I want to tell you. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, and so I started, why don't I check their energies? And so almost everyone on that television show who were, were also dancers, they were androgynous male or androgynous female. Okay. So I began to like, oh, that in the arts music dance probably uh, uh, the uh the uh painting and sculpture most of those people mm-hmm. were the 50/50 category androgynous
2: okay androgynous
3: so suddenly we have people into the arts people in the, uh, people in the, in, in uh, who are jocks <laughs> and into sports <laughs> god it fit right into this old pattern in high school <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, and and of course, in, when I was in high school, there's no such thing as trans person. There weren't even gay people. I mean, this is in the South in the in the '60s. I mean, I'm sure there were gay people, except it was it was so well, so unconscious and, and so suppressed that right. there was never even a discussion. Like to now is much more of a discussion. Um, so I mean, definitely, I'm sure there were gay people.
2: Okay, uh, but I there did. Was n-
3: yeah, pardon.
2: I didn't mean to interrupt. We did have a question. Oh, Dave wanted to know about the ten people that you were said were Venus. He wanted to know a little bit more about that. He said the the ten women. Like, I guess, how did you see they were Venus? Uh, I just
3: read like your energy. energy. Uh, uh, I mean, I I it'd be. I don't know. I could go into a little more detail, but I'm uh, just to, just. I want to sum it up and say I'm ability to read energies I don't see uh
2: uh-huh.
3: somehow I perceive and okay. then uh I bring that into cognition okay uh and uh it's just more of a knowingness and okay. it may be inaccurate but I, I look at this again and again over and over but I get consistent answers, then I suspect I'm getting more of an accurate reading uh but um uh, uh, you know uh. Uh, Pamela Anderson, for example, is, you know, really typical. They're probably the hot babes. They're probably, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, I'm, I'm over, you know, I don't want to get too stereotypical here now. That's, you know, I, 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 that's right. because it, it's, it's not 100%, 100%. And, um, but, uh, uh, uh I, I can't tell you exactly what is different other than there's an energetic uh, processing that goes on, um, in energetic structures in the in the abdominal abdominal area, which is right. part of the soul body,
0: right. And
3: it's, and actually, how it's processing energy can contrast to processing what I call wisdom. And it really spent a long time for me to go into my whole cosmology and energetic anatomy, which is not the purpose here. So, uh, it wasn't what they did; I just read their energy. Okay. And, um, so that it, I know that's sort of a woo-woo answer, but no, know, when uh that's just but but I've de- I've developed some abilities. A lot of things I can't do but that I've su- seems to be able to do and but I've worked at it a great deal for twenty years too. Mhm. Yeah. So so the, the we have so then the six categories are Mars men, Venus women, trans man, trans female, um and then androgynous male, and androgynous female. Right. uh I'm still using male, female referring to their anatomy i uh, it I wish I could find alternative words, but right now I'm still using the anatomy thing okay. the seventh category, seventh category I don't know how to describe okay it includes both people with both penises and vaginas and vaginas but when it when i I was wondering, whom do I know that fits in this category?
0: Mhm uh-huh.
3: and I just started exploring and it popped up in my mind. Um, I used to live in San Francisco. live lived in the Bay Area for 22 years. San Francisco, right? And you know uh, what was used to be called gay parade, and eventually got gay, lesbian, gay. You know, so now it's the Pride Parade.
0: Right.
3: Awesome, awesome, awesome event. Um, and uh, you know, uh, San Francisco just uh, just really decks out. Uh, or, okay. Really. Anyway, so one of the main. Um, not floats, but one of the main groups going down there, one of the most popular uh, is a group uh, that refer to themselves as Dykes on Bikes. Oh wow! And here you have these
1: boom, boom,
3: boom, big motorcycles with these butch appearing, appearing women, often in leathers, and often with a femme, you know, female sitting behind them. I'm using stereotypes now, but this
2: uh-huh.
3: I'm, I'm trying to convey something, and, it, and it's
2: right.
0: Wonderful.
3: You're painting a picture paint a picture to give you an idea because you know it doesn't looks like that. And boy, everybody goes hog wild, wow, yeah you go girl <laughs>
0: uh,
3: so you're celebrating our diversity, our sexual diversity, our parent diversity, you know, hey it's right. your choice. Whatever you want. You know, you get someone to agree with you, awesome, go. Um right. so but uh I a lot of what we would sort of say butch lesbian women fit in that category. Uh when I read their energy.
1: Okay. Also okay. a lot
3: of screaming queen gay men fit in that category. And okay. then there's some people who are not butch, uh they're heterosexual, they're not screaming queens fit in that category. So <laughs> I don't you know, I so uh, it uh but I mean the screaming queens and the dykes on bikes stand out ver you know, is very obvious uh, 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 fitting that category. so And so we have, I want to back up here or add to this, remember, this is not sexual orientation. I'm talking about gender. Right. Then you mix in, mix in the variable of sexual orientation. Then you mix in the variable of uh, genital anatomy. And we have wide range of the human expression. Wow. But what was valuable for me is, I mean, like in the social networks now, uh, mm-hmm. if it asks for gender and it says male, female, other, I choose mm-hmm. other. Because I'm an andro- I, androgynous male, and no okay. wonder I didn't feel like, uh, I mean, I don't like these guy things. I don't like to get a bunch of guys. Uh, I mean, uh, I was in fraternity in college, and I really enjoyed that, really meaningful, but generally, um, when you just get, uh, when I don't like being in, in segregated gender groups.
2: You don't like labels. <laughs> I, I,
3: don't, I, uh, I don't like, uh, I don't mind, you can call me whatever you want, uh, but don't okay. relate to me as uh, is, is this or that, uh, okay. necessarily. Uh, right. And so uh, it's sort of like, the, one of the great things about the Kinsey, uh, Alfred Kinsey and the, when he did his sex research in the 40s and 50s on human sexuality,
0: mm-hmm. he came
3: up with this uh, sexual orientation scale. Up to that point, we pretty much had uh, heterosexual, homosexual. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. Uh,
3: but he came up with a, a, a seven-point scale, Okay. zero to six. Zero okay. meant a person was totally, purely, so to speak, heterosexual. uh, opposite sex-oriented, if you want to say there's two sexes. Then at the sixth, were the same-sex focused only? And then there's people in between one, two, three, four, and five. Well, then three in the center would be sort of a real typical bisexual. And when he started doing large-scale studies of people... uh, that you know, there were a lot of people that were not zero and sixes. They explored this, they tried that, and I'm sure since the 60s, when we really, uh, uh, to use a phrase from one of the songs, where uh, the culture was like, kick out the jams, motherfucker. People just said, let's try anything and everything. Or, or another way of saying it, in San Francisco, some people said, well, I'm a trisexual. I'm not a bisexual or homosexual or heterosexual. I'm a trisexual. I'll try anything once, uh, and so oh. uh, uh, that was just sort of a fun term some people would say. And I don't say you need to, and in my perspective: you don't need to try anything and everything if you don't feel inclined. But uh, sometimes when you try something, you might like it, and sometimes you say, "Oh, that's not for me."
1: I've right. tried everything.
3: Cause some things I knew it was just not for me. So that's cool. You know, whatever flips your switch, as long as, consen- <laughs> as long as it's as long as as long as it's consensual. Consensual. I like
0: that. <laughs> Whatever, lift your switched
3: <laughs> yeah. uh and, and um and uh, and again consensuality here that, that, that that's that, that is assuming that additional wording, but I just want to really clarify that um so um, uh, uh, trying and exploring all these different possibilities, but the point is is that let people. You know, be, become whatever they want to be, and uh, and over life we might change our focus of whom we are attracted to, uh, of what we are attracted to, sexually, okay. or they were even attracted. Uh, some people are rather asexual uh, at times or most of their life. So it's just you know it's all individual choice. But the, right. but, the, but by saying all right, and the point I was I remember the point I was going to make. What Kinsey did with his zero to six scale was saying, "Look, this fluidity here is not either or it's fluidity uh, and you might be this, you might be that, you might one and changing. My thought is by saying there are seven genders while there's not really fluidity uh, that that seems to me that's the way you come in, and that's where you are for this lifetime uh you can change your anatomy, but if you can change how you express yourself and your gender is only one aspect of what and who you are, it's only one aspect uh right. and but uh but by saying, you know for to myself, I don't fit this male typical male perspective and i uh and um and that's cool for guys want to be that way women that way, it really is you know. Uh, uh, but that's not me. Uh, And so so the the idea from my perspective here is to give people permission to say, if you don't feel like you quite fit or don't at all fit the Mm -hmm. perspective that sort of being uh, taught in the culture as being what a male or female is, Mm -hmm. well, you might not fit that category because that isn't who you are sort of uh, intrinsically. Inherently. Right. So that's an important reason for discussing this and saying their variations. Uh and I'm trying to give you some some stereotypical answer to say this and uh but each person blends it all together, however they might blend it.
2: Right. And I, I appreciate that. The fact that you're able to go beyond that, like I said, 'cause that <coughs> just talking to you I had watched that a while ago about the genders uh worldwide where they were accepted where there's, you know, the male embodiment, the female embodiment, and then there was the the gay the lesbian woman, the gay man, and then they had a uh, a female that was um in a male body, and then they had a male that was in a female body, and then they had the transgender. Um not well not necessarily. Just, uh, they had both male and female parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so intersex
3: is the word these days. Or one of the words. Intersex. intersex. Okay. Okay,
2: okay. Intersex. So that like fascinated me. How did they fit in? And then this this other girl on the radio, sh- uh, well, on the show, National graphics said that she's what you call a hybrid human. And I was like, okay, a hybrid human. She says, because I'm half female, half male. And that's how she could presented it I was like okay that's a that's a way of like i guess looking at yeah. yourself it's a your hybrid uh being if if yeah. that's you know that's the way you want to look at it, so I thought that was really interesting, and I like that because i I'm the one I don't like labels um at the things I do or what I do uh for helping people um because that's all they are is labels you know uh do they do they help define or do they define who I am no
0: Exactly. I don't yeah. think
2: so, and that's what we need to take back. Don't let what others say you are define who you are. You be more than that, and then some. Yes. Uh, You know, just create your own little bubble. You know, like uh, people say, well, you know, Sussy, you're handicapped, and because you're handicapped, you should be blah, 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 blah. No, I don't let my handicap or my disability define who I am. I make who I am because my handicap is not who I am. But that's the label that the general public has given me. Uh, you're disabled. You're handicapped. I I don't accept with that, and I will not um, go for that.
3: <laughs> yeah. So a, yeah, it, you. Know, and because there's so much charge around sexuality, and especially because uh, there's a lot of severe bullying around uh, you know, for, for young folks, which is right. you know, and we're getting to be more adult. We have we have a little more. Freedom, to uh, but as a young ch- person, it's really, really horrific that um, that uh, the, the what appears to be an extensive amount of violent bullying, particularly people who don't fit what people think is the right gender or right sexual expression or sexual orientation.
2: Okay, I have a situation for you. I know that you love surprises. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I. What's have... his name? What's his name? <laughs> No, it's not a name. I had, um, I would like to say, a child that was dear to my heart. And um, her and our mother used to be very, very close at one time. And this young lady um, was watching her mother, you know, her body develop and was curious about her body and liked her, you know, was really expressing herself like that. And the young lady was only 10 years old. Uh, The mother was very uh, put off on it. So she gave her gave her to me to be my godchild, um, in other words, for me to watch over her stewardship, if you will. So she was having issues because the daughter was saying, Mom, I like your breasts. I like your body. I like the curves of your hip. I like this. I like that. Mom became uncomfortable. And then she says, I don't like boys like girls like boys. And I guess I didn't realize at the age of 10 that you thought about boys in that way. You know what I mean? You punch, you hit. Back in my day, you punch, boy, oh, I like you. Oh, slap, slap, kick, kick, or whatever, whatever. You know. Not you're... me. I
3: didn't like that at all.
2: <laughs> but she began to say that she was interested in girls in that way. She didn't know how to express because everything was heterosexual in her, her mind. And the mother didn't know how to deal with this even to tell the father that the daughter was going through this struggle. But she brought it to me, and I was like, okay, um, how do you deal with that? And I said, you accept her for who she is no matter what, whether she's, you know, going to be gay or she's going to be whatever, like whatever she feels, go with her. She says, but how do I explain that to my husband? My husband wants a little girl. She's a little girl, and deal with that. And I said, so what's more important? Damaging her emotionally and scarring her for life. This is what I, I really seen it as. Now, I might that might not be true, but I see you're scarring her for life to be what your perception you want her to be, and you're not allowing her freedom. How would you answer that question for that mother to help her daughter feel free to be herself?
3: Well, my my focus is energetic. I'm. I'm also. I'm not a therapist. I mean, I'm a certified sexologist, but I'm not a therapist right. and counselor. Uh, and I know nothing about children. At a very young age, I knew I did not want to have children. So, okay. so, I you know, it's really to sort of sit back here and say, oh, just accept them the way they are. Well, that's you know, that's nice and easy to say, but right. in the real practical world, I don't really know what to um, what to do with that, other than you know, you know, say, cool. They're, they're this little girl is interested in uh, little, uh, other girls. Cool. So, you know, you know, it's so like you know, that's all. You know, I, perhaps I would say, right. Uh, but I'm just more of a just another uh, you know friend of the family. Or, uh, but I don't know. I you know I'm, I, I I I'm not, I I don't feel qualified to answer that, uh, with any degree of knowledge or experience. Um, I will say that when I read someone's energy that I find is a, a, a trans person,
1: mm-hmm. I usually
3: tell them uh, j- just in case they were had some concerns about themselves. Say, look, when I read your energy, this is what it comes out to read, and you know, and just want to say that. And if that's what your experience is, well, that's fine because that's where you are energetically. Just to try to be supportive of saying. You know, be yourself, because when I read your energy, this is what I see. And I've been right every time. Wow, well, okay. Uh, and and, and uh, I haven't done that often, but the point is, that's just sort of a... But that's with an adult. Uh, with right. With a child, I don't know. You know, I... Um, I, um, Other than being just as gently supportive of it as I can, to say, you oh, know, you like girls? Cool.
0: I like, <laughs> girls?
3: I like girls, too. <laughs> so, you let you know, whatever you want.
2: <laughs> right,
3: right, right, uh, right. But in a very general way. But uh, I'm, I'm not very helpful. I don't. you Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't be more.
2: That's okay. uh, for helpful mean, with
3: that question. Uh, and I, I'm really glad that other adults, such as yourself, say, "Let her be her who she is." And, uh, um, and of course, you know, whomever in the family is not going to embrace that maybe that will be uh, spoken to and say, look, you know, this is how we're going to approach this, and I'd like right. you to be, uh, be on board with this perspective. Uh, right. I know you may feel uncomfortable with this, but, oh, you know, by not allowing the person to express themselves the way they're feeling they're exploring,
1: mm-hmm. then
3: it's going to, you know, it might come out in really negative or uh, negative ways. And that's one of the problems with with, with a lot of religiosity. That uh, who are the people doing a lot of the uh, inappropriate contact with uh, young people? It's <laughs> the adults who are you know who are right. sexuality leaders. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Religious leaders in the church. Right. Uh, and when we suppress our sexuality and think it's evil, it often comes out in dysfunctional ways and uh so we went uh, so it um so we we're trying the idea is not to suppress or or to try to shame people or try to be supportive, and right. if they really get you know inappropriate in the behavior in terms of you know being insensitive, harmful, mean, that's another story but right you you feel inclined to be with girls, well, explore that. And you might have a tough time finding another female who is mutually. Uh, now but things are changing today so much, so much. Cause people much more out there. I get, but I'm not around young people and teens. I I don't know, but it sure sounds different. Yeah, <laughs> than when I is. was growing up. I mean, like I said, homosexuality was not even it wasn't even known in in my Richmond, Virginia high school. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's even hardly a word for uh, a, a gay person at that point.
2: Right, right. Don't know how they came up with those names, but I'm sure there's a story to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a story to tell. Oh, so, uh, see. See, I understand. Like, where a where, uh, friend was sharing in the room, a neighbor girl left home, school phobia likes girls and boys, and her father ran off because of her fear of him finding out until she was 18. She hit this. And sometimes I, I know about stuff like that, and it's very destructive for that child. Yeah. They start developing self-hatred. Yeah. And everything around them is shameful because they can't be themselves. And that's that's sad. It's, I don't know, it's it's sad.
3: Yeah. And that's, well,
2: that's what I'm saying.
3: I do want to give you a, a little positive story here. I just happened to be, uh, on the Internet I watched, uh, a segment from the Today Show. I think it was January first, at the beginning of this year, um, that a, a mother and child were there, and the child that they, they had just come out with a book called Prince's Boy, mm-hmm. and it was this little oh he's probably six, seven years old boy, seven, eight maybe, uh, and he wanted to when he went to school he wanted to dress in as uh, dress up a girl, as a girl, right, um, and the, it was really disturbing the parents about what to do. But the little boy's, a little bit older brother, said, Mom, just let him do what he wants to do. <laughs> so, at least the way the, the parents uh, were saying this, it's sort like the wisdom of this little, the, the, the little brother, a little bit older, saying, mm-hmm. He wants to dress this? Well, cool. You know, just let him do it. Right. Uh, and, and so, this was actually when I read his energy, this was a transgender child. I mean, mm-hmm. people really come in into the lifetime this way pretty much. This is my observation at this point in time. It's not like we learn to be this. It's like this is. And, of course, there's various degrees of this. I'm I'm oversimplifying it. And so, eventually, uh, I think uh, self-published a book and then some major publisher picked it up called Princess Boy about Mm -hmm. a little boy who wanted to dress like a princess and go to school. And, uh, And it was really great that a major publisher would put this in Major bookstores around the country that every other children's book to say, "Oh, he's a little boy who likes to dress up in dresses. Mm-hmm. He's a princess boy." So there's indeed some changes going on compared to thirty, fifty, eighty. Well, when I grew up in the sixties and fifties and sixties.
2: <laughs> well, I understand because that that also reminds us everybody was there was a celebrity that lets her um, boy wear skirts and they made a big thing on the radio about that and then they had uh, they were looking at the celebrities how uh, some of the girls wanted to cut all their hair off and uh, you know that was a big thing they were saying well you know what is she trying to prove because we're talking oh well girls are supposed to have long hair and supposed to be flowing so then again that's another thing saying that's an image that we're supposed to project And I don't feel that is for me, that's not right, Um, because this is what they want to do. Grow your hair, don't grow your hair, cut your hair off. I mean, this is what makes you you. And um, a lot of stars are actually speaking out about that, um, which is very interesting, because they're allowing them to be themselves, which is phenomenal if you can, if you have the guts and the courage to do that, because it does take a lot, Yeah. if you know what I mean.
3: And in some circles, it's being embraced. I mean, I'm, right. I remember seeing recently in some high school that a gay male was loud, uh, was chosen the uh, homecoming queen. All right. Well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, they're, they're, uh, the the times are changing. I mean, but it. I mean, it's not everywhere, and you know, in certain specific situations, but it means that parents, teachers, principals, school boards uh, need to be behind this. Say this is a. Uh, this is okay with us.
0: Right. And, right. Uh,
3: uh, and to allow people to be this way. Right. To embrace that and, and to give information for people to say, look, you know, other people are sometimes similar to you, sometimes they're different.
0: Right, right. And to, right. to
3: not only tolerate, but to appreciate the difference. Here in Tucson, uh, every autumn, we have a, we call it Tucson Meet Yourself uh Hispanic started by an anthropologists about 35 years ago where all the different cultures uh um, uh and even religious groups come together and they have their food booths and they have their uh dance uh and it's not sponsored by Budweiser <laughs> it's a community event where we celebrate our diversity and you go there and you just pig out because it, everyone has such good food Oh, you know i, I I can't possibly eat all that I want there. Because, you know, I have from all around the world countries, and these are just like local clubs, the Swedish club, um, or the Buddhist temple, uh, serving Thai Buddhist food. Um, And so events that acknowledge our differences and celebrate them, and we live together. That's so important to to celebrate our differences. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I get bored. I love San Francisco because there's so much diversity. I get bored. I grew up in the South where there were white folk and black folk, (laughs) (laughs) and and that was cool. But you know, we were pretty segregated, very segregated at the time.
0: Uh,
3: Right. And uh, I in a place like San Francisco, yeah, Asia, Africa, um, uh, Philippines, South America, Mexico, Canada, Sweden. Right. Yes. Mortgage board. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm so bored with the same old, same old. Give me some diversity, please. But, you know, that's, you know, my cup of tea. I love diversity.
1: And that's good
2: because that makes you who you are and make you unique and make you so special to other people that you're able to get in that diversity and just flow with it and not being afraid. There are people that are afraid uh, to you know that i was told that people were afraid to even touch other people because of their diversity well you know um just like oh well my friend had told me um back in the day her friend says well she had a another friend and her friend says well if i rub you will i turn chocolate too <laughs> i thought that was cute yeah i mean and the person
3: it was a serious question too probably right
2: well you yeah. know cuz that's what they were taught and yeah it's like wow, okay, okay. Like someone says, well, if because you're paralyzed, if I touch you, well, I, is it contagious? Are you serious? And and that's my thought. Are you serious? If you touch another person because they're this or that, that that's their train of thought, and it makes me think, where did you get this thought? Where did it come from? How did it develop? And then it it spins because they've only seen certain Aspects of life, and not a full abundance of life, and they haven't been exposed as much, so they're gonna, you know, ask the question in their head: Is it contagious? Or can I get yeah. it? Or you rub off? Um, my friend actually had somebody lick her because they said, "Cause your chocolate, do
0: you taste like chocolate
2: too?"
3: <laughs> yeah. I, like, I like vanilla sex, but I don't taste like vanilla. <laughs> <sighs> well, let's talk about the sexual shaman some here.
0: Okay. I,
3: anything you want to go into that? that that That's really where I think that uh, I may have some... Uh, I've done a lot of thought and for reflection in, uh, um, the, around that perspective. Uh, do you have any? anything you want to go into around that topic?
2: Yes, I do. Um, you were talking a little bit about it, um, and I like the fact that we said that it's just not about... Um, like, everybody thinks it's getting down to the nitty-gritty, and it's more of a spiritual realm. And you do, I like that your past, you went in the past regression, you were talking about, with the gentleman for workshops that you did. Um, I've never heard of that um, kind of workshop. Like I said, I've only Quedosha, Shilakwe Quadosha trained. Mm-hmm. Um, And the training that I got for Tantra, I, I know it's wrong. Uh, for my, my being Because I know it's supposed to be spirituality But Tantra is so expanded And I like that you went as far as The Tibetan to bring it for uh, The shamanic Sexual Being that you have
3: Well, I, just, I blended a lot of different traditions uh, uh, Together With my own blending Because no one was doing it for me So I okay. had to say Well if I want to understand this I've got to look at this and discover for myself and so there are many different teachers and different approaches um uh, and uh, um uh and so that this has been my own particular path uh, um why don't uh, uh something you might what are the, can I tell you why I use the word sexual shaman
2: sure go for it
3: well first I'd like the term just simply because it sounds so good the alliteration of sexual shaman. Uh, Technically, the way I would more accurately language what I'm really referring to would be orgasmic shaman, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sexual shaman is intriguing, and it has alliteration. But I really started to use it and originally started to use it because I was looking for an alternative term to the sacred prostitute to try to convey uh, what I wanted to talk about. Um, And since the word sexual shaman was not really... some people had used it before, but it was never a term that was out there and defined. So, by coming up with sort of a term that's not that well used or often used, I get to define it myself. And so, what I came to understand is this: um, I'm trying to lead into the how I, why I would even use the word "sexual shaman," because it does not mean one has necessarily has quote sexual Interaction of a a physical manner with another person. Um, One could, but it is not at all necessary. This whole process of reading energies. That what I begin to understand and observe, myself and other people, is that when we have an orgasm,
1: uh,
3: and there are are different types of orgasms, most people are thinking about the sexual orgasms, uh, but in a lot of New Age, Sacred Sexuality, Tantra, Kudoshka context, people are also starting to talk about energetic orgasms, which are very explosive, like sexual orgasms. uh it can be very pleasurable, can happen in a sexual context, but it also can happen in a non-sexual context uh, without doing anything that looks like sexuality. Um, so there are a variety of types of orgasms, which we might want to go into a little bit later. Uh, okay. B- but the... Um, when we have an orgasm of any kind, that most people would think of as an orgasm, that literally, I talk about these ten bodies. Four of these bodies, uh, which are really sort of the movers and the shakers of those ten bodies, four of these bodies sort of like light up, so to speak, and they literally merge with another person. By merge, I mean uh, replicates another person's frequency and intensity pattern temporarily so in a sense when two energetic systems have a commonality of the same frequency and intensity they temporarily become one energetic system from a functional point of view and if you have a a person who is doing uh, when they have an orgasm they temporarily merge with another person all four ways of these four bodies That, then, I started to observe that, given that idea... Now, let's go to the related idea. When I was reading the energies of traditional shamans, I'm now referring to Native American, particularly, to whom I got to know personally here in the American Southwest. I live in the Sonoran Desert in Tucson, and there are a number of uh, cultures here. Um, uh, in, the, in this general area of Arizona, Navajo, Hopi, Tohono O'odham, uh, Yaki, Um, um, uh, several others I'm trying to think of uh, right now. Um, But uh, 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 when I observe them doing what they're doing as a medicine person or shaman, most of them have developed the abilities to merge energetically with the person that they're doing the ceremony with or the healing with, or a whole group. They could merge Mm -hmm. energetically. Somehow they'll get their energies to vibrate at the same frequency and intensity as all the people in the group or the individual patient or client
0: Mm -hmm.
3: in the healing session. I mean, just from reading reading energies, that's what I began to observe. But most shamans only merge one way, one particular body, what I call the light body which is okay. the most common type of body that is used in what some people might call healing. Okay. Uh, and I can explain that more, but, again, that's going to get a little technical. So in orgasm, we merge with four bodies. Okay. Most shamans merge with only one body. But oh. some really masterful shamans, um, uh, as I begin to – actually, I've never – these all have been on uh, on documentaries and videos. When I would mm-hmm. read their energy and they're doing their ceremonies, they would merge with the person doing the healing with four ways, all four ways. Wow! Which, while they're not doing sex, right. they're doing the same type of energetic relating to another person as okay. uh, because they're developed energies and they're doing their ceremony and they're doing using their intent. Uh, they merge all four ways. Whereas an orgasm, that happens for everybody, anybody, everybody, when they're in mm-hmm. an orgasm. Right. So I began to realize, because what I was starting to teach people before I realized all well about this, that I was teaching people in my Path of the Sexual Shaman course to merge all four ways at once. Wow. So we, we do energetic to to develop that ability. Not as powerful as a shaman necessarily, but at least you start develop that as an ability to some extent, and to and you can do this simply by doing a meditative or ceremonial focus
1: mm-hmm. of your energies,
3: um, and it's the same like phenomena as a as a, an orgasm, including a sexual orgasm. So
1: right. I
3: began to realize that what I was teaching was to be similar to what happens in an orgasm uh, by merging with someone else all four ways. And so from my point of view, if some someone is a shaman, and I do have a specific definition,
0: okay. someone that's a shaman
3: uh, can merge all four ways, technically they fit my characterization of a sexual shaman without having to do any sort of sexual activity. And I mm. find that when a shaman is able to merge all four ways, he or she... Often seems to be able to facilitate greater transformation than when a person is only to mer- only able to merge one way. Right. That's a relative, that perspective. So, um, uh, uh, so, I mean, what I was teaching people is to merge with someone similar to what happens in orgasm, right? But in a non-sexual context. However, when you do this with a lover, uh, mm-hmm. well, I have another class I called. Uh, uh, shamanic tantra, it's about meditating with your partner and merging all four ways, and after you focus on energetically being present and merging all four ways, then you make love. So you bring this more integrated state uh, of union, so to speak, with your partner before you actually enter into sexuality. And Mm -hmm. what people often uh, uh, say that happens is their experience uh, is more orgasmic or their orgasms are deeper or stronger. Um uh, so that's not the f- the reason for doing it but that has been the outcome when people use um uh, to do this type of a focused ceremony before they they do their actual you know love making friction, you know, mm-hmm. rubbing bodies together. So, um I use it sort of in a uh, and, uh, and teaching way to say, look, we can merge with plants, animals, crystals, uh, mm-hmm. other humans in all four ways, and it not be at all an erotic experience, but we will have mm-hmm. a deeper connection with the person when we do that. And mm-hmm. uh, um, so that's one. That's one of the reasons I use through I mean, several reasons I use the word sexual shaman. Another reason is uh, i found people who are contemporary people into shamanism, I mean, people who did not grow up under res or within uh, shamanic culture or like Native American culture, a lot of people have gone into shamanism as an approach. Um, And what I'm finding, though, um, because I've been to some conferences, people who are contemporary shamans, there is a real disassociation with sexuality. And... uh, uh, I once uh, uh, I was a vice president of an organization called the Association of Sexual Energy Professionals. It no longer exists now. But we put together a conference, and I was chair for this conference, entitled Shamanism and Sexuality. And I actually went to a conference on, for contemporary shamans to mm-hmm. meet people and invite them to we'll come present at our conference. We got some really good presenters to come from that conference to present at our conference uh, six months later on shamanism and sexuality. But I went back to that organization and said, "We'd love to put an ad in your journal about this conference."
0: Mm-hmm.
3: They refused, mm. even though some of their own presenters were presenting in this conference, and we had PhDs presenting. This was a professional conference. This was, was not a, a lifestyles convention where everybody came together and you know had a, had sex all all day long. <laughs> some people maybe stayed in the room and had sex all day long, but not many. Most people were there learning stuff from each other. Uh, and it's cool if we want to have sex all day long, but we didn't do it in the group context. <laughs> um, and so I really found, like most professions, were not into sexuality. They're really fucking uptight, <laughs> literally, uh, and did not want to have to deal with the public thinking that, that shamans are into sexuality. And if you want a formula for creating uh, uh, inappropriate behavior among practitioners, then don't talk to them about sexuality because when you have a, a close connection with a client or a group of people and you don't support people in learning how to make choices because it is really easy in an intimate situation, in therapy, in counseling, uh, in educational seminars, to find this, oh, yummy connection with someone, But it doesn't mean that they necessarily, it's appropriate to do sex. It doesn't mean it's inappropriate necessarily. But there's a lot of unconsciousness. So what happens is people say, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. They suppress it, they suppress it, suppress it. And then it comes out in, quote, perverted ways. Right. And and so many professions are trying to put their head in the sand around sexuality rather than supporting their uh, practitioners in being conscious about relating to this question.
0: uh, Right.
3: What's appropriate, what's inappropriate. Uh, uh, because it's different for different situations uh, and okay. I'm not saying choosing to be sexual with a client is wrong by any means but most people are doing it very unconsciously okay. and so my concern is that that uh, contemporary shamans who are above the sexuality uh, issue
0: mm-hmm.
3: would, would eventually in the long run create more problems in the profession because they're not willing to deal with the issue Okay. so a lot of contemporary sex excuse me contemporary shamanic practitioners um really are just uh, are really uptight about this to the point where the of the organization did not even want to put an ad in for another professionals uh or um, conference so that's a little side point, but that's the reality that's <laughs> such bullshit out there people are uptight <laughs> about sex. You think, if we I mean, talk about sex, everybody's gonna be fucking their brains out in the middle of the of the conflict.
0: <laughs> uh, Good luck
3: trying to make it happen. So. It's not easy to turn a group into an orgy. It's possible, <laughs> but it's not easy There's if if afraid oh my god if I talk about it i'm gonna i'm gonna go berserk
2: <laughs> Well, it's 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 i I've come to the conclusion that America is really living still living in a Puritan sense of being here even though they want it they escape from prosecution and want it free of religion but it's their religion and their way of seeing stuff so yeah. it's not really what they say it is free yeah. it's it's control but that's just me but I wanted to get into about the different orga- orgasms and I'm I know about a lot about different orgasms so I want to see if we match together About the different orgasms Because um, there are several kinds of different orgasms
3: Okay And I'm going to have to give some generalizations And there are wide variations within every one of these types Okay But, but again, I talked about we're made up of ten bodies Or ten energetic systems And four of them are capable of having orgasm. Now, I don't use Massachusetts and Johnson's definition of orgasm. Uh, before Masters and Johnson came out in their book called Human Sexual Response in 1966, people talked about a variety of experiences and used the word orgasm, climax, peak experience, uh, and other types of, of, of words. And I think looking at literature, there was a wide range of things people called orgasm. Right. But and Johnson, doing laboratory research and, and then published in their book, they came up with a physiological definition of sexual orgasm. Basically, if you have a pelvic floor contractions at a certain rate, uh, then you've had an orgasm. A lot of other things accompany that, but that's the the essential defining characteristic, pretty much, of pelvic floor contractions of the the pelvic floor muscles. Mm. Well, that's a very good definition. I think it really helped the field of Western sexology have a lot more clarity. But suddenly, things where you did not have Public for contractions and might have been energetic experiences were sort of disregarded, not considered. Uh, But so Western sexology is really focused on physiological definition. But uh, here I was in San Francisco studying with Tibetan lamas, doing all sorts of sexual exploration. Uh, a wide open culture in San Francisco of different orientations and uh, this and that and so my experience was saying you know this physiological definition is great but it doesn't fit all of reality
0: Correct. and
3: so I came up with a different definition um, which is rather esoteric but makes sense to me Uh, and basically it's an energetic definition which says when we have an orgasm, in addition to the sexual pleasure, the explosions, the subtle sensations, the pelvic floor contractions, it may be ejaculation, maybe not, uh, maybe pelvic floor contractions, maybe not, but th- we might have a variety of experiences, but they all uh, do something that I call manifest more energy into our system. Right. Uh, and by that, I define a shaman as someone who's able to function through other dimensions of existence to impact this incarnate dimension of existence. And there is a dimension, one of the dimensions is where all energy originates. If anything that we would call energy, it originates there. Right. Uh, And it can get expressed into this existence, incarnate existence. And one of the main ways for it to become sort of Expressed is by having an orgasm. It's right. not the only way. So, if there is more energy brought into, manifested in this incarnated dimension within our bodies, mm-hmm. then I consider that an orgasm. So, one of the, our ten bodies I call the physical body system. And this is what people often think of in terms of uh, our, the orgasm occurs pretty much in uh the phys- and Johnson's physiological definition sense. even when we have that orgasm, all the pleasurable sensation and maybe ejaculation, but not necessarily. And this explosion in our pelvis or wherever it may be, um, uh it still brings in more energy, um, uh, of a certain kind. Not the kind that's gonna keep you awake necessarily. <laughs> but <laughs> so some people roll around because the, the the body is the physiological changes and the the, after the male ejaculates, the body says, "We got to get more sperm, bring in the nutrients, and real we'll manufacture. So, shut that guy's head up, put him to sleep, so we can manufacture more sperm because we want survival of the species." <laughs> I don't care what this guy wants. We got to have more sperm. We we we're, we're programmed for survival of the species. Okay. Sexual pleasure? Well, you made a few hours maybe, but right now, survival of the species. I mean, we are okay. biologically programmed that way. I'm well, oversimplifying, of course. And uh, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> if you bring in more elemental energy, what I call elemental energy, <clears throat> uh, then you've had an orgasm. Another type of body that I call the light body, some people call it the emotional body, which is made up of thousands and thousands of currents of energy, it too can have an orgasm. It, too, is explosive, but it's not necessarily focused in the pelvic area. It could be in the abdomen, it could be in the chest, it could be in the head. It could be what people refer to as a total body orgasm. Even people who have, like, uh, in my book, Women of the Light, was a quadriplegic who mm-hmm. had his left leg, or part of his left leg amputated.
0: Uh-huh.
3: And working with the woman in the one of the women of the light in the book, he had an, an energetic orgasm, uh, and he felt the sensation in his leg, throughout his whole body, but also in his leg where the foot had been amputated, because uh-huh. what I call the light body, it still remains there regardless of right. what the uh, uh, the physical anatomy shows, right. uh, and so this orgasm can be what we call a total body orgasm but most of mine have occurred in my uh, chest and head. Uh, They they can be quite spontaneous Uh, um, and they can also happen in a sexual context. And some people actually have a light body orgasm along with a sexual orgasm and those are the bombs bursting in their orgasms. In fact, some people (laughs) I talk to that's all that they have and you think, wow, these other people, they they don't have much of an orgasm. It sounds good but damn, nothing like what I'm experiencing. Because some pe- that's just how some people are either wired or have learned to have orgasm. So, as we go into these New Age sexuality perspectives, Tantra, Kudoshka, Taoist sexuality, there's a lot of focus on energy. And there's a lot of focus sometimes on breathing, <laughs> uh, of, of sort of uh, visualization, bringing up energy up the spine, et cetera, et cetera. And doing that type of activity, one might indeed start to have what I call a light body orgasm, more commonly thought of as energetic orgasms. Some of which are total body orgasms. They are very explosive, very explosive, um, and uh, perhaps even more explosive than some sexual orgasms. And uh, and you can do, uh, and so and. And It is very easy to be multi-orgasmic this way, uh, which is not as likely if you have an ejaculation uh, uh, in the male body, at least you're not as likely to to have an orgasm shortly thereafter. But light body orgasms, (sighs) Uh, once I was with a friend, we were just energetically enacting, and she was in New York, and I was here in Tucson, Arizona, and we were doing some, uh, just focusing on merging energetically, and we were not lovers. We were good friends. And she was a hot mama for sure. And we, we, were, we were flirtatious with each other, but we were never lovers. And we were just really good friends. And we wanted to say, well, what, if you start focusing on this, what I call merging at a distance, what's going to happen? You know, what was it going to be like? And we, we were exploring that over the phone. And uh, without touching our genitals, both of us started to go into this explosive orgasm type experience. And I had about 20 of them in about 40 minutes. Um, and um, I, too, I, I live in a wheelchair. I'm quadriplegic. And it was sort of like uh, the way I would talk, to well, I just went home bow-legged because I, the, 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 I was so wiped out from my muscles, so sore from these 20 intense orgasms somewhere in my chest, somewhere in my head, somewhere in my pelvis. Um, I just said, hey, we just got to stop. <laughs> I can't keep doing this, <laughs> Um, you know, uh, And these were big, and I was, ah, uh, screaming on the phone. Uh, right. And, and all we did, we just kept focusing on energetically merging with each other. Uh, we weren't trying to have orgasm. We weren't touching. I wasn't touching my genitals, and I don't think she was touching hers. And it never felt like a sexual orgasm to me. But right. the point is, you just have, have them over and over and over and over. Uh, so, an explosive light-body orgasm. There's another type of body I call the spirit body. Uh, Any sort of shape like this um, oblong balloon, if we stand up, it's about arm's length above our head to arm's length beneath the bottom of our feet, arm's length all the way around us. And it's sort of balloon like shape. And when the, to do merging with the person, what we do is we expand this balloon like shape outward to encompass or t- contact the other person. <clears throat> and I was actually interviewing a person, I'm Quadro you I and I need attendance. And so I was actually interviewing someone, and suddenly I realized it felt like that we were, this other person and I, were in a cocoon. And I knew things existed outside of that. I wasn't oblivious. I wasn't uh, wasn't stoned or anything like that at all. I mean, there was nothing affecting my system other than energetically. so right. There was something out there, but it was not important. What was important was just you and me, babe, and, and, it's like, and it wasn't an, an even erotic, uh, it was just like just present, and it's very subtle.
0: Uh-huh. And
3: that type of orgasm, for me at least, I've only had a couple of those. It's like when you go to the county fair, and I know this is not well, this might be vegan, but it's not healthy. You uh, you lick the uh, cotton cotton candy. It just melts on your tongue. This spun sugar, it's called cotton candy. Uh, it melts on your tongue. It's you know, like a gentle nectar. But it's not explosive. It's not wild. It's like the more present and quiet I am, the more so gently beautiful it is. Just being very, very present. Uh, so, from some people who may have that, they may not even notice it because it's so subtle. But and I'm going I've been meditating extensively for a number of years,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
3: and so. Uh, and I I feel energy more than most people. I don't see energy. I feel energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought this and, whoa. And so I've come to understand that there's another type of orgasm. It's very subtle. And then there's a fourth body that I call the soul body, which is my terminology. All right. And when a person has that type of orgasm, the, I've never had one, not, not really clear, but the way people describe it is, they feel like they are one with everything in the universe. It's like you're walking down the beach and you're in the wind, you're in the ocean waves, you're in the sand, you're in the grass or the trees often in the distance, and the sky and the birds, the, the seagulls. Now, yes, they're, they're different, but we're not separate. And it's not just an idea, it is an experience, the experience in themselves. Mm-hmm. This is a nice idea we talk about, or being one with everything. Right. No, they, they describe it much as an experience. And this often, <clears throat> one woman described her experience, uh, she was in a trans-oceanic uh, flight, and she was in conversation, and he started to come on for her. She asked him sometimes mm-hmm. walking around the house ten times a day that quite spontaneous. She's not doing anything sexual or active and meditative at the time. He'd mm-hmm. spontaneously come on. And she was sitting there trying to carry on this conversation as her eyes were rolling back in this <clears throat> really blissful state. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of, you know, I said, what a way to have an, an ocean flight. It sure beats all those boring movies. <laughs> And so, you know, so, I mean, my God, if you're going to be on a plane for 20 hours here, give give me a a, a, a soul-body orgasm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You sit there, and and you're not necessarily rising, and you're not making sounds, but, God, you know, it's everything. And this is all being done now. I'm referring to situations without any sort of uh, putting, ingesting any sort of, uh, uh teacher planner, biochemical substance or anything it just happens energetically quite spontaneously or because a person is doing certain types of meditation right so those are the four types of orgasm, and they all bring in manifest more of this energy within our system um, and um the but they're not all explosive some of, i mean but the two main ones that people talk about are the what I call the physical body orgasm. And right. the light body orgasm. Right. The two other types. And, the, and uh, they're much more, well, especially the, the uh, soul body orgasm is much more of a mystical state. Uh, what mm-hmm. we might think of as mystical. And it may or may, for some people, it may be explosive, but also these can be mixed together. Okay. It'll be a combination. So, I don't know. Um, do any of those seem some familiar to you?
2: Yes. Um. Mm-hmm. For me because we talked about that The spiritual connection and the deep breathing um, That you can have an orgasm Without touching Um, Another thing so which I I really um, Enjoyed about that That it's not all about um, You getting together and what people Think you bang 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 and that's that's What it is but it's more so That I was taught that You do emerge like the oneness With nature that you can actually Have an orgasmic state Just actually just Sitting there on a rock or under a tree or anywhere, it's just there. Your being of energy is just there, which I really love. Yes. Um, so yes, I did have that, and I learned about uh, for me the different levels of consciousness of of your partner or the person you with just having an orgasm. But I like the the one where you are emerging from somewhere different. And you were not even think about it that you went into an orgasmic state. Yeah. That is not something that I got in my lessons when I was learning about this, um, about orgasms, because they were saying, like, there's different orgasms that you can have. And, of course, it's all around the medicine wheel. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in the wind and the stars and all of that elemental. So I like the way you broke it down a little bit. Um better but I have some questions from the room of course is that you know uh, about the elemental orgasm um, and you do do that how do you train your body to get them
3: well I was never consciously trying to train my body to have any of these orgasms they started to happen some would happen in sleep state um, as, as I, especially as I went more into a shamanic past uh, you do. I mean, it often involves developing these other bodies more, or some, you know, different meditative paths too. Uh, okay. And when these these other bodies become more developed, uh, they may be um, uh, more awake, and it's perhaps easier than to have these orgasms. And I would, so many cases here, I was I was doing nothing. But they uh, no nothing consciously at the time, but they just started happening spontaneously.
0: Uh-huh.
3: Uh, and then I looked back and started to see patterns. Okay. Uh, and uh, as I was reading, started reading the energy, and having uh, as I began to understand or develop this energetic anatomy <clears throat> that I that I teach about, now because I've come to understand it in certain right. ways, that uh, it was the, the, it was like a pattern, either soul-body orgasm or spirit-body orgasm. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
3: uh, and in um, and um, so uh, it, it, for me, it was spontaneous. Uh, I did uh, also study what you said in Gredash about the fire-breath orgasm, mm-hmm. doing certain breathing. Uh, right. But um, I, on my own, I learned, well, sometimes you just focus on emerging energetically. That doesn't right. result in orgasm, uh, especially if, uh, if the other person is developed. If you have two people right. who have developed the, what I call the light body, because most people mm-hmm. don't develop it very extensively, but if you have developed it, um, and shamanic traditions have a tendency to do ceremonies and activities to help you develop it, um, because it's it's the main healing body in most cases. Right. So as that body becomes more developed, it's, just, it's, more, it's more robust, more alive, uh, more charged, uh, and so some things just start to happen. Uh, and that's the case for me. But, I, I mean, I was, before I started having some of these experiences, I was a, you know, quite experienced meditator. And I embraced my sexuality, and, I, you know, uh, and also I was in, uh, in San Francisco where if you had some unusual experience that seemed related to sexuality, oh well, cool, what happened? What was it? I mean, tell me about it. Whereas uh, some other places, some other time, you'd be considered a deviant or a sick person. So, you have to keep it down. And so being in a very sex-positive environment uh, mm-hmm. in, the, in the 60s and 70s and 80s in San Francisco, mm-hmm. there was no shame, uh, guilt associated with these. And so I had a chance to explore, and I met other people who were into this. And so it was just sort of a general culture saying, sure, why not? We have this, I have that, and I hear about other people, and, oh, that's a possibility. Uh, so it... Um, um, uh, gosh. I mean, well, I teach. I mean, my uh, you know, the number of courses, perhaps, that teach uh, to develop right. different structures. I mean, I teach in my class too. But, but it's not about trying to have orgasms because my perspective right. is this. This is really important. I think to, to look at some people in what <coughs> excuse me, Western tantra, mm-hmm. focus on. In effect, the goal is ecstasy. Okay, I think that's a very limited perspective. Right. Uh, very limited. My perspective is we want to facilitate transformation within ourselves and uh, develop ourselves uh, in many, many ways. And one of the byproducts may be ecstasy. But it's not okay. the goal. It's not the goal to just have more ecstasy, more ecstasy. And, in fact, to get to the point where I was hearing a few years ago in L.A. that people were taking the drug ecstasy at tantra parties. What? Well, yeah, yeah. You t- well, if you want to have ecstasy, you take a biochemical substance or a chemical <laughs> substance to give you ecstasy. Ex- I've never taken ecstasy. I don't know. I, my hippie days were pre-ecstasy a- a- drugs, so I don't. I can't. I don't speak from experience with that. Um, but my perspective is, you to really develop in a tantric way, you want to be able to do it, you know, homegrown within yourself, uh, not uh, not chemically induced. And people can do that, and that's a choice. And it's not bad or evil. But right. um, in the hippie days, what happened was the hallucinogens were like opening doors of perception for me. And, but I wanted to stay over there. And I realized er, if I wanted to stay over there, I had to keep dropping a, a, a biochemical su- substance or a chemical substance. And so after a while, I said, this is not working. I've got to get my ass in the meditation mat. And that's when I started doing much more extensive Tibetan Buddhist meditation. And other types mm-hmm. of meditation, um, because I, I I want and yet what I sense was, and I totally, uh, my experience is this: is that if I want to go to these expanded consciousnesses, to these more incredible experiences of existence,
0: mm-hmm.
3: I've got to be able to do it within myself—a choice, not just have a, an experience that cosmically chooses me, but and that may be happening, but that I get to develop so that I'm able to. Direct my own focus, my own mindfulness, my own energies in a way that can take me there as a mm-hmm. way of existing. Uh, so that, um, for example, I went to a conference several years ago in San Diego, and I live in the desert, and right on the bay. And I went um, at a break, it was actually a sexuality conference, Society for the Scientific Study of Sexuality.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And
3: I went out at a break and focused, uh, I was on the edge of the bay, and, and focused on merging with the ocean. Oh my God! It was like I could be underwater and still breathe. My energies <laughs> were were inside the ocean, and you know, all the the life forms there. It was just, oh, uh, it was like, it was right. yummy. You know, it was not erotic to my for my genital sense, but in terms of like being consumed by this, it was not orgasmic, uh, but it was definitely, oh. Uh, what an awesome, huge, wonderful vagina I'm in, I'm in right now, in this big ocean, or whatever other term you might want to use. But, okay. uh, uh But it was just, it was just so wonderful. But I could do that with my conscious intent, right? When I wanted to, and I could do it in public, with my clothes on, and nobody knew what this awesome yumminess I was experiencing. Because it was okay. all happening inside quietly. Right. So uh, I think, uh, so that I found that who listeners would be awesome and, and open the doors of perception, point in directions, but I felt that I had to really go on to do it with my own intentionality, my own okay. And I think that really is often the way to go. And as you do that, it's sort of like these orgasms happen along the way. It's sort of like, okay. so I can have 20 orgasms. So I tried that again, uh, about a month or so later. Okay, I can have 20 orgasms. Oh boy, <laughs> my muscles are sore. I don't want to have that many next time. <laughs> and I'm quadriplegic, so I don't get I don't get around much anymore. But you know, by you know if a different state, it might be okay. So I knew I could do it, but well, there are other things I wanted to do too. Right. And so. It it it, uh, it, hap- when it happens when it happens, and it's great right when it does. But, but it, you know, it's much more, how do I be with this ocean? How do I be with this person? How do I be with this power spot? How do I be with this hawk in flight that I'm seeing? How do I be with this tree? Because it all becomes, uh, a, can become an emerging experience that is sort of sexual in nature, but not necessarily lusty and... Uh, uh and erotic to the genitals. So uh-huh. that all life uh can be in a sense making love. Right. Um and um and I can do that simply by quieting my mind and focusing in what I talk about and being one with energetically with something. It's not always like that all the time. But the point is is that there are various ex- experiences in life that can Give us that. And it, it has a sort of a sexual aspect to it, but it doesn't feel sexual in the sense we usually think of sexuality. So for me, the words sexuality and spirituality are almost the same term now.
2: Well, uh, we have a question. They want to know about the shamanic, your shamanic cards, which I see are beautiful. And he wanted to know about the wisdom, the wisdom uh, ceremony cards, is what he says.
3: Okay. Yeah. I came out uh, took over a number of years to put these together, but 20 cards that I call now the Shaman cards. When I first brought them out, I called them Wisdom Ceremony cards.
0: Uh-huh. But
3: I noticed I didn't seem to click. And I accidentally called them the Shaman cards once. So that oh, this is a better term. So I then changed the cover, and the ones that are now available I call the Shaman cards. It's the same cards, right. the cards as with the uh, uh, Wisdom Ceremony cards. They're the same card it doesn't make any difference, and they are not oracle cards. They're not designed uh, to uh, to help someone um, uh, do divination uh, like way a lot of people use the, the tarot deck or the, uh, or other types of cards. One can use it that way. I've found, and if you want to do oracles, you'll, you can do anything. Right. Rocks can be uh, be read as an oracle, but but it's really a 20 different ceremonies. And uh-huh. what it is, is the merging, uh, well, technically it's not merging, it is like becoming the essence of the nature of a particular animal,
0: uh-huh. a plant,
3: a plant, crystal, and human condition, plus a concept. And when you combine those five energetic patterns together, that sort of takes us into a different, um, I won't call it trance, but into a different state, so to speak. Uh-huh. So it's a group, it's energetic ceremonies or meditations, Uh, and what it is, it's literally, and this is this is a way to help develop ourselves to become uh, to be on a shamanic path to develop the structures. See, shamans have developed certain structures that enable them to vibrate at faster frequencies. Other dimensions, all other dimensions are faster frequencies than the incarnate dimension we we usually exist in, function in. And a shaman is someone who's able to do this 24 7, vibrate at these faster frequencies all the time. Um, and by doing one of these cards, by doing the ceremony in the card, one is practicing uh, developing one's ener- energies and developing energetic structures to enable one, oneself to vibrate at, the, at these faster frequencies so that we're able to. So like, well, let me give you an example. Um, there's a great documentary that came out last summer, this previous summer, not the one right just a few months ago, called Buck. Buck is a cowboy, Montana cowboy. He He's Caucasian. He's not, I don't think he said it with Native American medicine people, but when I read his energy, he's a shaman. But mm-hmm. what he does is he's a horse whisperer, and in the documentary, mm-hmm. you see him do some incredible things. Wow. And what I began to then look at other horse whisperers, people who call themselves horse whisperers, and one of the main things I began to to observe in the way they use their energies and they're able to make their energies to vibrate as if... So humans have some sort of a vibratory pattern. Right. Horses have a different vibratory pattern. Right. Uh, dogs have even different vibratory patterns. So every type of animal has a different vibratory pattern. It's a generalization. So, what Buck had learned to do, probably quite unconsciously, is he had learned to vibrate his energies as if he were a horse., mm. the same pattern that all horses have, certain mm. vibratory patterns that each horse has individual patterns, but all horses have something in common, some vibratory commonality, and when we as a human. Can develop ourselves Energetically And get ourselves To vibrate in that pattern So that when you Approach the horse I'm I'm going to say This is maybe what The horse may be Quote thinking That's not quite the right Way of saying it perhaps But a horse says Hmm Looks like a two-legged Smells like a two-legged sounds like a (laughs) two-legged But Somehow that's a horse (laughs) You know uh, And that And so that I'm guessing the horse senses some sort of simpatico, even though it sure is an ugly-looking-ass horse out there (laughs) and standing on two legs all the time (laughs) and sure smells bad. (laughs) So, um, so, So that when we're able to vibrate at the same frequency quite intentionally as, say, a dog or a certain type of animal, we become a dog, we, it, that's part of becoming a dog whisperer or a horse whisperer. Of course, you have to know the behaviors and, and have experience with the horses, so it's not simply just vibrating energies. But what those cards do is you're practicing vibrating your energies as if you were a horse or a whale or a quartz crystal or a sugilite crystal or, or a, um, um, a um, certain type of a tree or a certain type of a human being from a different genetic pool. Right. And so learning to do that as an ability is one of the key things that makes enables a person to be a shaman. He or she has to be able to match, in a sense, to to, uh, vibrate in the same patterns as the person that they are facilitating in the healing process. Um or if you want to you know, if you have a you know an animal in your totem, you want to be able to be like that animal uh, animal energetically and uh,
0: right.
3: uh, so in here in the yaki group every christmas we have the, the deer dance and the um um uh, a young boy he's out there he has a deer antlers on his head and and deer bells are the thing on his feet, so he sounds like oh he makes it rattle when he walks. And he has a rattle in his hand, and his drummer's drumming, and he acts like he's a deer. Mm-hmm. Well, and somehow this child has learned to be dearness energetically. In addition to be knowing how deers work and and putting on the uh, some of the energetics uh, that deers have, like the antlers, and um, so. To be a deer dancer means you, in a sense, become like a deer—not mm. only, only behavior and your appearance in certain ways, but also energetically. And okay. so that's very much a part of a shamaning. So, so that is a practice that one can use to help along one's development. That's just a deck of cards, or what well, are eight and a half by eleven cards that I call the shaman cards. I hope that answered that gentleman's question. Or at least oh. abstractly, or whomever asked, male or female.
2: Yeah, um, there was a gentleman. His name is Dave, and he also wanted to know. He just said these are cards are guided for state um, meditational state. Yes. And you like your answer that, so yes. And he said excellent. <laughs> so that's really good. He's um, they're really enjoying the show, and you can't believe it. We actually did not take one. Com, actually, did not do one commercial, one song, only at the beginning where you got to hear stuff. So I must have knew something consciously that you were going to be this
3: good. <laughs> or I'm, I'm I'm yakety yakety yak. Oh, no, no. I I I love. See, the idea is important, but what is really important is what you can do with the energy, and,
2: right. and that's
3: that's more about I'm really more about the energy, but I've also have uh, come to an, and the part of doing this development is. To, Learning to conceptualize it in a certain way that I that does not look religious, uh, at least not from my point of view. It may look woo woo, but it doesn't it, right. it doesn't sound religious. Not like the religious stuff I grew up with, at least.
2: See, I like that. So I was like, really cool, really cool. Thank you. So i um, I'm 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 digging the show. But I digged you anyway before you you know. Before we even got a chance to actually be on the show Um, I got the opportunity to speak with you um, a little bit So um, I'm enjoying this So let's talk about um, the things in the body And the feeling and the light body um, Because they didn't talk so more about the light body that um, when people actually lose their body, they have what they call um, the phantom limb or the body. So that explains a lot mm-hmm. about the body as well. You know what I mean about well, the body yeah. not being there, but feeling as well.
3: Yes, and so the, the, the light body, the different parts of it, but the part we often think of to understand it is to thousands and thousands of currents. It's the same shape as our organism, physical organism, but about mm-hmm. two feet larger. With these currents, exterior to uh, the uh, surface skin, but also uh, inside the body, mm-hmm. and I use the word. Um, <clears throat> well, it somehow the energy because it's not hard matter; it can be uh, interspersed. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I not I'm not sure if that's a technical way of saying it because I don't know how you say it in physics. But it's like it, it seems like things are occupying the same place at the same time. But, but I'm guessing in a molecular sense they are like you know really close to each other, but in similar places, but different, and sort of, and they sort of move through each other, and they can move through hard matter as well because it, the nature of subtle energy is very different than hard matter energy, uh, and so the uh, that light body is just that's the main shape it's, it looks like our physical body if you were to see it. This is my right. understanding, but larger and thousands of currents. And uh, it includes the acupuncture currents, right? And the uh, often what we think is physical sensation mm-hmm. is often the light body sensation.
0: Okay, we're, we're cool. We're
3: perceiving at least for me, but you know, I mean, I'm a you know I'm a I'm a feeler, and I'm a I've done a lot of meditation. So you cool. go in I'm not just observing thoughts. I, the Tibetan Lama I studied with didn't just have us observe our thoughts; he had us observe our sensations. You right. sit down twenty minutes and do some sort of moving meditation, and you sit and observe. What did you stimulate? And that was not always physical or muscle or sensation. It was right. also subtle energy sensation. And uh, and I guess if you have your foot removed and you have a light body orgasm you say, "Oh, now I know what light body sensations <laughs> like." <laughs> uh, Definitely. Uh, and uh, uh, and. Uh, but we're able to perceive in ways other than with our eyes, ears, and uh, nose and uh, sen- t- tactical sensation and also right. sensation of balance. Uh, and, and, and as we go into meditative and or shamanic paths, we start to tune into these other ways of perceiving. They sort of become developed. Right? But because they may not be observable uh, in ways that, that most science is, has, been measure, has been able to measure, uh, it doesn't mean they don't exist. Um, right, and, I mean I knew about the uh, about the uh, what we call the, the Gräfenberg spot, the G spot, before uh, people started to write about it, because I wow. was teaching erotic massage and I kept finding it this place uh, uh, later we called the, the G spot. Uh, the female body often had certain sensations if you touched it and stroked in certain ways, not right. poked, not poked, but stroked. Right, uh, and oh, I have to pee. Well. And then after I've been teaching this, often people find pleasurable sensations here. Then, mm-hmm. then out came this uh, research called the G-spot. And so, mm-hmm. oh, I knew about that. I didn't know about it the way they talk about it, but, you know, experimentally. So the point is is that uh, w- that we can, we can have a knowingness and experience that is not yet validated by scientific research. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, it just means it hasn't been validated by scientific research at this point in time. Okay. Um, and so if you start finding patterns, you say there must be something going on there. And later on, we may come to have some sort of understanding of it. Okay. So, well, I believe yeah.
2: it or not, we run over to overtime, and okay. we have actually run out of time.
3: <laughs> All right.
2: So I was telling people if they wanted to, they needed to call in, but now it's too late for them to call in. So, um but it's okay. You did an excellent job. So tell people where they can reach you at um, for I, for to get in contact with you.
3: Uh um the main way to reach me, uh, my uh, main website is called sexualshaman dot com. Okay. Uh I give uh one to one trainings called Path of Sexual Shaman. Uh I also do I've started doing groups again with that. And I have individual sessions, if people want to do individual sessions. But I don't usually talk about sexuality that much. <laughs> uh, not the way people think of sexuality. I talk about energy. Right. And if you do that, suddenly you might have an, you merge with the ocean and have an orgasm. But uh, that's not the objective. If it happens, you're awesome.
2: I think that's cool. So now that you know, we have Ray. He's such a wonderful guest. And I was so honored that he took time out of his busy, busy schedule. To talk to me, I do have some things that I want to know. Do were you ever a guest or a speaker at a a s s e
3: c t? Was uh-huh. it a- a- so- the American a- Association of Sexuality a- Counselors Ch- Therapists? Uh, uh, yeah, yes, I gave a presentation on shamanism and sexuality about five years ago in uh, the Phoenix area.
2: Okay, okay, okay. So you do get around. So see people he could be coming to your town
3: if you really want. Well so no, I'm crazy. I, I don't travel that much, but <laughs> I, I I'm cool on Skype, man. Cool.
2: <laughs> You're cool anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> I love your energy and um I had a lot more guys come into my room. It's usually a lot of women. So I had a lot more guys in my room um tonight. And a lot more guys um, online, so that really helped. So now that we know that, anybody, you've been listening to Chef Sessie, the Food Alchemist, and we are here every day, 5 p.m. PST, Pacific, some Pacific Time, Pacific Time. Pacific Central Time. See, I can't even get my words right. And if you want to call on and you have more questions during a live show, it's 347- 996-5895. It's been a pleasure and a joy to have you come in to Food Alchemy at It's Greatest with Kenneth Ray Stubbs and his wonderful explanation on the shamanic sexual energy that are interrelated to everyone. So without further ado, we leave you with this. Peace, love, and harmony. That's it. Do you have anything else you want to say to me? Oh, I, I love to
3: say buenas noches. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much. I And uh, enjoy. it. thank you for listening to uh, to my points of view. It's just points of view.
2: Oh, that's good. But they're well
3: wanted to be heard points of view.
0: Great.
2: So I will talk to you later and um, give you a call back. Because you, I think you just might be have a spot on the show permanently That we might want to get you back once in a while So with that, we'll call you and see if you're not too busy If you can fit us in your busy schedule
3: <laughs> Thank you, thank you, my dear Okay, Bye so night. I want to
2: say night, night
3: Buenas noches, good night
2: Buenas noches <laughs> Okay,
1: alright, alrighty It has been a pleasure, love